Hello and welcome to the Next Level Podcast. I'm Tim Miller, along with my bestie, JVL. Uh, You might be noticing this is a new Sunday edition of the Next Level. We're going to be coming at you now two times a week, double the Next Level, double the fun. And in these Sunday editions, we're doing something a little different, a little bit for your weekend, you know, to maybe take some of the stress level down of just all of the all of the horribles that happen in the news every day. Uh, we're going to be bringing in people from outside of politics, outside of punditry, and we'll chat a little bit about the news, but then a little bit about their life and, you know, kind of learn about some things besides politics, have some banter, you know, give you a little something to listen to when you're walking the dog. Fun! We're going to have fun. Fun. We're going to have fun. We're not used to doing fun because we all live in the worst possible timeline. But I think we're going to have fun. But the board can have fun. And so this week, we've we've taped the first ver- first episode of this. And JVL, was it fun? Do you think we had fun? I mean, I had a ton of fun because our guest was fantastic. Yeah. Do we, can, we, can we tell the people about him? I mean, they're going to see him in like a minute and a half. Yeah, let's do it. Adam Brody. Seth Cohen. Seth Cohen from the OC. I kind of... Might have implied I had a childhood crush on it. I didn't say it right on the nose, but I think he was reading between the lines. Do you think he read between the lines and noticed? Subtext. Did it get awkward? They were subtext. Okay. Well, it got a little awkward because he's heterosexual. I think he picked up what you were laying down. And also star of the upcoming Shazam Fury of the Gods, the second Shazam movie, and uh, in which he plays Freddy, young Freddy's big Marvelized self. It's so good. We talk about the Fleischman is in trouble, which is an awesome show I just finished which you should watch. So uh, we'll get into it. He was like shockingly candid and fun about his political views. We did like a little bit of politics. It was extremely cool. So we're going to do this now every Sunday. Sometimes it'll be actors. Sometimes it'll be sports figures. Sometimes maybe it'll be politicians, but we'll just do it more fun, you know, and talk a little less about politics. So hopefully you guys like like it. Nominate for us people that you want to hear. Give us your feedback. We're figuring this out on the fly, but uh, double the next level. You'll still get your Wednesdays with Sarah, Tim, and JVL every Wednesday. Uh, before we get to Adam, though, I have a little bit of housekeeping. I'm going to do this every week. Just make sure we're up to date on the news. Before we get up to date on the news, one housekeeping item. I was fooled on Wednesday's next level by a prank. Nick Cannon is not actually... He punked you? (laughs) Nick Cannon is starting a prank show, and I was the first victim. I got pranked. And he is not actually (laughs) starting a show where he's trying to find a woman to birth his 13th child. He's starting a prank show. It would have been a funny show. I mean, natalism, go natalism. My Not My Party is pro-natalism this week, so... You know, I I would have been pro, but I just we don't like to be fake news here at the Bulwark. So I just wanted to clean that up. I want to just hit on two other things really quick, JBL. Have you seen the Lieutenant Governor of Tennessee his uh, his Instagram activity? Have you, has that come across your radar? No. What's uh What's he been up to? Lieutenant Governor of Tennessee, seventy nine year old man, a great grandpa, seems like a good God fearing man, and on Instagram he's been posting a lot of fire emojis. Are you on Insta? Do you send fire emojis? I'm not. I, I'm sorry. I don't I do not do Insta. What does the fire emoji mean? Yeah, well, so generally it means hot. Like, you're hot. Okay. That's hot. Okay. He also posts some hearts, which generally means love. You know, I love I love this. So maybe okay. he meant this in a grandfatherly way, but there's a young gentleman, about 20 years old, uh, kind of androgynous, um, you know, which we support here at The Next Level, kind of, you know, a little bit of a... No judgments. Yeah, a little bit of a femboy kind of vibe. And he is posting pictures of like his butt in skirts and the lieutenant governor is 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 <laughs> replying with fire emojis hmm. and comments about how he's bringing brightness to his day which is kind of interesting because Tennessee right now is going through the most anti-gay legislature in the entire country passing drag bans 
passing different rules in schools, modeling after the Florida bill, anti-trans legislation. So it seems like there's a little bit of a conflict there. Do you think that these Instagram posts were with prurient intent? Oh, Oh. They they seem prurient oh. to me. Okay. They seem prurient to me. It might be a felony. Anyway, go chat, chat, just, you know, for your own enjoyment. I'm hoping that the lieutenant governor is able to live his life as his authentic self without shame and uh, just, you know, enjoy people me as too. long as he can still put in jail me the too. bad people. Right. That's the most important thing. So long as he can still prosecute yeah. the, ba- the real <laughs> well, gays, not the yeah, fake. Yeah, the other, the gays, the real gays, not the fake gays, not the ones, not the <laughs> ones putting $5 into <laughs> young men's OnlyFans, but like the actual out gays are the ones that need to be punished. Mm. Um, anyway, one other piece of good news. One piece of good news before we get to Adam. Someone experienced the consequences of their actions-ish this week. Do you want to talk about that? One of the things I always say, Tim. One of my maxims is that if you wait long enough and you're patient enough, then eventually you will get to experience life's greatest pleasure, which which is is watching bad things happen to bad people. Of course. We need Sarah here to counter you. It's a rare, rare bird. But this week, a judge in Colorado before a disciplinary hearing censured Jenna Ellis, the famous lawyer and great legal mind of the MAGA movement for making some factual misstatements mm. during her, uh, her her turn as an officer of the court. Mm. And uh, she stipulated to 10 of them. And uh, and she, she took her medicine. She took her censure. And then promptly ran off to mock Mitch McConnell for falling down. Yeah. Because she learned her lesson. Oh, also, she's a Christian. She's very, very Christian. These are the best people. These are the people that would be, you know, in an office in Trump's second term. Just a few f- wrong facts, you know, just to make sure our listeners are up to speed. Trump did not, in fact, win in a landslide. Jenna admitted that that was incorrect. Yeah. Trump did not find 500,000 illegal votes that had been cast in Arizona. Uh, she admitted that was a lie. Yeah. Trump's team did not have evidence of a coordinated effort in all of these states to transfer votes from Trump to Biden, manipulate the ballots to count them in secret. Also a lie. The statement that Hillary Clinton didn't concede the 2016 election, we all were alive on Earth in 2016 and knew that was also untrue. So thank you, Jenna, for coming clean on that. Thank you to Tucker for letting us know that you passionately hate Donald Trump. It's nice to just get these facts out there, and I'm sure that they'll be all over MAGA media this week so everyone can know the truth, right? So, Tim, you're, you're a cradle Catholic. You, right. you remember where it says in 2 Corinthians that thou shalt not bear false witness unless you are attempting a coup. Unless you're attempting a coup. And trying to incite liberal tears. And in those cases— in those cases, it's cool. And that's why that's why the Christians are the bestest. Install a thrice-married game show host into power. It's cool. Everyone, go like, go subscribe, subscribe on YouTube, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, tell your friends. You know, maybe your friends don't love daily politics, but maybe they, you know, they want a little hint of conservative tears and Seth Cohen in their life. Send this podcast to them. Please enjoy it. We'll see you back here on Wednesday with Sarah. And uh, up next... My new best friend, Adam Brody. Adam, it's pretty cool, like, kind of our origin story. I met you this past weekend at CPAC. You were hanging out at the Sarah Palin booth, the anti-ranked yeah, choice yeah. voting thing. and Yeah, much to, much to discuss. I Those are my people. They're fighting the good fight. 
yeah, we'll just keep marching the weeks tighter and tighter on that band till there's no daylight between insemination and legal personhood. Okay. Uh, we'll get back to that. So I want to start on politics with your Twitter bio is vote or die, which is pretty intense, uh, which is one of the reasons we invited you. And uh, and so I'm just wondering your 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 origin story of like kind of getting into politics. Yeah, was it or was it not just inspiration from your father Sandy Cohen, or what was it something else? No, it wasn't Sandy Cohen. Although it was a little my parents, they weren't overly political actually, but they were lifelong Democrats. So I was raised with that. Not to say that we had political discussions. There just wasn't any like worshiping of Reagan or anything. And then I'm 43, so I was like you know, 21 when 9-11 happened. And I remember um, that was the first presidential election right before when Bush won, you know, that I was paying, you know, fairly close attention, not like I would now, but still, you know, paying any attention to really. And um, being pretty miffed about it. Yeah. And then 9-11 happened and I thought, you get what you pay for it. I don't mean that it's Bush's fault. I just meant like, well, now we have a crisis and we have an idiot, you know. And obviously in hindsight, in the context now he seems like a paragon of virtue and highly intelligent. You had no idea um, how, how big the idiots we could get, did you? Yeah, yeah. But at the time, even as a young man, I thought, and an uneducated young man, I thought, or at least formally, I thought, like, this is going to be bad. And despite your values, even, or whatever, your political leanings, this is why you don't have, like, intelligence is, is important in a leader. And then... It kind of went from there. I also was on the set of the OC a few years later. I remember an AD, like a second AD, the guy who would knock, his name was Sean, and he would knock on our trailers and stuff. And he was very leftist, and we would have some discussions. And I was getting all my education from the Los Angeles Times and NPR and New York Times. And he gave me a Chomsky book. I think it was Understanding Power. I couldn't even recall what was in it exactly, but it resonated with me a bit. Yeah. And so that kind of set me on a path a little bit as well. And um, yeah, I've been, I've been increasingly more engaged ever since. Yeah. I mean, you're, um, you are on a moderate squish podcast here. So let's, let's be a little careful with the Chomsky. Do, I, I, do I, know, I know that I know that could be a bad word. What's a squish? You know, we're squishy. We're centrist. What's wrong? We like Joe I Biden. Know, Joe I, Biden's I, fine. Yeah. Squish, political squish, not hard line, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, I, that, that much I know. I mean, I like, been, I like, I think it makes it a fun conversation. Go ahead. Yeah, for sure. So I've been monitoring your feed and... A lot of AOC. I think, are we pinned? AOC might be pinned. Would you say that? I don't that's understand the terminology. Like, I mean, I've seen pinned, but I don't know what, do you, pin is you, you accidentally literally pinned your it? feed and you say yeah. like, I think I've just been off for a handful of okay. months. And so it's just sitting there. I'll come back when there's an election and, and, or maybe a charitable thing to tweet, but I think I'm off it for good. I you think, quit um, over Elon or just, just yeah, mental health? Yeah, partially. Yeah, I can't stand him. Um, I can't stand him. Big respect, Adam Brody. <laughs> really? Yeah, um, okay. 100%. I'm uh, always I, yelling I, at my colleagues to get off the Twitter. Always. Well, never I also had this. I put you weren't that far like, off. You replied to my DM within like 24 hours. So <laughs> I, yeah, well, I have to call you out. You're, you're not totally through, off. It came through my email. Okay. And so I, I, you know, it was work and I, you know, I, I've only gone back on a few times to do the DM, like respond to DMs that okay. make it through my, some don't, it's weird, but, um, I missed a few, but anyways, I really enjoyed my time. I was on it for like four or five years. I learned a lot. I, you know, followed interesting people, but, you know, I put it down for three months or just like a quiet three months, did more reading, 
read longer articles, listen to longer podcasts, et cetera, still feel like I'm as informed. And I opened it back up to reply to some DMs and work stuff. And it was just like a box of people, like a war going on. And instantly I'm I'm like, oh, Charlie Kirk said this, et cetera. And all these people that I don't fucking care about. And in fact, like that's their job is to make me angry. And I just don't want them in my mind. And yeah, I think it's bad for you. I came up with this hypothesis yesterday, but I believe it enough to say it, which is that like, I'm sure social media, I think it's ultimately going to be good for human. I think it's a necessary step in our evolution as a species. And, you know, we can cooperate on a larger scale. But I think, as I understand it, the agricultural revolution, and maybe I read this in Sapiens. I don't know if that's too fucking lefty for you or not. But uh, (laughs) that the lifespan for your average, like, farmer or after was worse for maybe a hundred years, maybe a few thousand years for a while, your city dweller life was worse than your hunter gatherer life because you could be exposed to famine more easily and disease and, and et cetera. But clearly it was a necessary step in, you know, in growing civilization right now. That's how I'm thinking about social media. Like for sure it's bad for your heart and it like is going to lower life expectancy for this generation, you know, but I do still think it's, a worthwhile and necessary step in sort of furthering the, you know, in, in the or in the Gen Z, they're in the speech. famine and disease era of yeah, our, of take, mass communication. They're, they're gonna uh-huh. take, we are too. We are too. I mean, everyone's going to take a hit. I just felt like as I opened it up again with being off for three months, I was just like, Oh fuck, this is so clearly bad as like for you. Isn't it me as an individual, even though I think it's furthering conversations and probably good for the community as a whole. Eventually, if not already, preach it, brother. <laughs> yeah, JBL's getting excited over there. Yeah. Uh, listening to your anti- Tim, it's like rant. you're talking to me. I'm going down. <laughs> I'm going to be the last Japanese soldier fighting the war against Charlie Kirk. It's just going to be me and Charlie left on there. You'll be on there arguing against bots, not even knowing that their chat GPTs will be, you know, running all the Twitter accounts, and you'll still be there posting because you're a poster. I'm a poster. My blood you're pressure will be skyrocketing. I'm never leaving. And so AOC, do you, are you not a fan of AOC? She's fine. I mean, I, she's okay. I just, you know, I was trying to, you know, what we're just trying you to like position you for our listeners. Like, is that like, is AOC, you know, are you just kind of engaging in mostly AOC Instagram rants? And like, that's where you kind of position yourself in the political world these days? Or have you been kind of inspired by Joe Biden's great bipartisan successes on the infrastructure bill? Yeah, honestly, both. Like, I am a fan of Biden the man. You know, I th- as much as I know, and I don't claim to know the deepest parts of anyone's, I, all I can do is, you know, intuit what I think. But I think I'm a fan of him as a person, and I think he's doing as good a job as could be expected. You know, obviously there are missteps, but by and large, he's kind of taken the party platform and pushed it, you know, I feel like in a pragmatic way. And And with her, I just think she's a great communicator, and I think she's very talented. I also think she's very brave. She's like a poster child for these, you know, the Antichrist for half the country. And that's a dangerous position to be in. And and you have to have a lot of strength. And, you know, I mean, so are people on the other side, but I don't think they're in the same kind of literal danger. You don't think that like the pussy hat moms, like going to the resistance are like a physical threat to Marjorie Taylor Greene? Perhaps. (laughs) 
Perhaps, but not to the same degree. Fucking like hot cappuccino right to the grill of Marjorie Taylor <laughs> Greene, you know, and she walks into the wrong coffee shop. Sarah Huckabee did get denied that meal that one time. Yeah. Where were you on that? I know. I that mean, was are, 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 do you, do she, you feel like she, she should be denied meals? She too discrimination. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah, I think she should be denied <laughs> meals. I think so many of these people should never be allowed in public life again. I think like at least in certain circles, I have no problem with it. I mean, what other tools do we have? Some of this shit was so egregious, so egregious. And yes, the short answer is yes. I think she's going to deny males. Adam, I don't want to bring the vibe here down, but I I got (laughs) this for you. None of these people will ever pay any price for any of it. There will be a handful of people like, you know, nobodies who go to jail because yeah. of, you know, yeah, yeah, January yeah, yeah. 6th. But the rest yeah. of them, the people who enabled it, the John Eastman's yeah. of the world, the people who've made, you know, millions of dollars off of it and made their yeah, careers yeah. off of it. The Molly Henry. None of those people will even get like mild talking tos. Don't you think maybe it hurts Kushner and Ivanka a little bit in terms of like, are they kind of laughed out of Manhattan or do they get to hang around Manhattan? Still? This is your only power. Honestly, yeah. I know that, you know, you're, yeah. you tweet, <laughs> you support these, you know, uh, volunteer organizations, which is really good and it's admirable, but like all of that's kind of on the margins. Your only real power is shunning Javanka. Yeah, and, yes. and this is why you're here, actually, because we yes. want to encourage you to shun them as much no, as possible. This, and, this shun, and, it's, and to shun them, you have to shun those who refuse to shun them. If you hear of them attending, you know, some sort of confab. Sure. In West Hollywood or, you know, in Manhattan, you need to make sure that the that the other people that attended shun them. So I used to work with Sean Spicer, for example. And yeah. Sean, the, the fact, went, Sean went to the Emmys and had like actors like wanting to get selfies with them. And I was like, no, bad. No. You're giving well, he, him what he, he wants. Was on, he was on like Dancing with the Stars right away. And I thought, yep. fuck you, ABC. Fuck you, ABC. So our power to like exact justice with the people yeah. who behave terribly is basically zero, you know, but what can you do? What you can do is you can go out and put good out into the world, which is what you have done mm-hmm. with all the charity work that you do with voices for children and feeding uh-huh. America. Thank you. And yet I don't do, I don't do nearly as much as I could or should. So I don't want to sit well, here and that's say That's true that. for all of us though. I, right? but, I, but this is what I'm saying. Everybody in their own little communities where you can, like that's, that's how you eventually win the long war, right? You, you change there's, things. There's another way we can beat them. You know, yeah. we beat the yeah. ass- no, well, we beat no, the no, assholes gonna... in the midterms. That was good. A hundred percent. That's very true. And I do think that if there's any, you know, yeah, maybe people aren't going to jail, but that dirtbag's out of the presidency. Yeah. That's that's not nothing. <laughs> so that transitions to one last thing you could do before we get to talk about the fun stuff, Adam, which is fellow. I, I don't. Does a teen actor count as a child actor? I don't know if you guys consider yourselves in the same category. So no, I'm sorry, if this because, is offensive. No, but not the at boy... all. Because we're we're kind of the opposite. Essentially, we weren't teens, you know, we're right. pretending to be teens. We're actually right. <laughs> acting, so, Tim. Yeah, <laughs> okay, I'm yeah. sorry. Well, anyway, actual child actor then from Boy Meets World, you know, another big influence on my childhood, though Ben Savage wasn't exactly my type. He's running. Did you see this? He's announcing he's, I didn't he's see running. This, but I just saw, I'm Schiff's at a hotel seat. and I just saw his brother downstairs. I mean, I was listening to another podcast of yours, which is one of the reasons we had you on. And you and you were saying you imagined in another life, if you weren't an actor, politics might have been one of the things you would pursue. So do you have a pang of jealousy that Ben is is living that out? Do you think maybe you should be going for the Henry Waxman seat? 
I don't know their politics either. I, I, you know, where's he running? L.A. He's running for Adam Schiff's seat. Right, so I assume he's a, really. I assume he's a Democrat. Well, yeah, Adam's running for Senate. So it's oh, open. Right, 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 Adam right, right. Schiff. Adam Schiff's going to run for Senate. The Senate race for a second. Yeah. I was like, wow. Um, no, okay, cool. That would have been a bold yeah, challenge. Yeah. <laughs> Adam Schiff, Katie Porter, yeah. Corey. From well, maybe Boy I Nick's should World. jump into to the congressional seat, and it can just be an well, act. <laughs> Do you think you could um, take him? No, probably not. I don't know. I don't think I'd necessarily be great. I mean, I. I would have to run in a place where I could thoroughly be myself and speak my mind, you know, in a, in a, which makes sense. I live in a liberal enough place, so that might be fine. I don't think having to like temper your opinions seems like fun. Are there any areas that you feel like you, you know, that you would like to speak your mind right now that are maybe outside of the conventional, you know, liberal pieties? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have one, which is, and I'm I'm not perfect myself in this, and I, I won't continue to be, but like, first of all, in terms of just an issue, I think guns are, it's a no-brainer to me of all the issues, I mean, of all the things that are, are it's clear which way to go, and it's clear which way if we want to survive as a species, you know, how the civilized world will progress. It's so basic. And I do think that Hollywood has a role to play that they're not playing, that they're very unconscious of or willfully ignorant of, which is that, you know, there's a obviously trope to say, well, other countries have video games and violent movies and they don't have stuff there. And it's like, true. But what would help us change the laws, you know, to be like to tamp down the gun worship, you know? And I think it's like, yeah, you can have these liberal values, but then when Brad Pitt, et cetera, but anyone, you know what I mean? When there's outdoor advertising of all our heroes pointing a gun at you and holding a gun and imprinting making it looking fucking cool. Um, and it does. They're cinematic. There's a real charisma to them, weapons, I mean, and, and yeah. guns in particular. But I think if you took that out of the equation, at least lowered it a lot more, the temperature of that. And for example, I don't think they should be allowed in outdoor advertising the same way you can't smoke in outdoor advertising. Can't have a guy on a billboard smoking a cigarette anymore. I don't think you should have a guy holding a gun on a billboard. Dave Yell, is that tickling your social conservative pickle at all? Do we have a Tipper Gore, Jonathan V. Last, Adam Brody... Unity no. here. Oh, I'm so into it. <laughs> That's pretty good. Okay, we're gonna All stop right. this. We're gonna Thanks. stop by unless you unless you want to fight about politics a little more. No, you, just give, to say like okay. take it down a notch. Stop making it so cool. It's fucking yeah. easy. It's narratively easy too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here I was a gun. Yeah. He fucking cocks it. Yeah. Guns aren't fucking cool. No, I can go with that. Cool. I don't. Want, I'm not. Else. I'm not with you on the outdoor bands, but guns aren't cool. Smoking is actually kind of cool. Guns are not cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's maybe. It's maybe just one man's opinion. Anyway, okay. Shazam. Fury of the Gods coming out March 17th, only in theaters. So, Adam, I got to tell you, my youngest, who is six, was so jazzed that I was talking to you today because really? Shazam is his favorite of all the superhero movies. Wow. And you are his favorite character in Shazam. Well, that I know. Well, he must be talking about the younger me, but but still. No, no he's talking about the you, you, but the that's because guy. your costume is blue and blue yeah, is his favorite yeah. color. Uh, and so right, in right. the same way that his chocolate milk will only taste good when it's in the blue Ikea plastic yeah, cup, yeah, yeah, yeah. you wear the blue costume. And so all therefore right, so you are the best of all the superheroes. I uh, appreciate that. Tell him thank you. I, I myself, my daughter is seven. And um, when I got the job in the first one, she's too young for it. But the first thing I thought of and said was like, oh, she can she can see it. This is something for us to share for her. And uh, it took a while, but now she's now she's really into it. I think Shazam is easily, I, I am a superhero movie connoisseur, easily the most family pleasing of all superhero movies 
maybe of all time. It's the only one I've ever watched where literally all six of the people in my house liked it from like my wife to the teen boy to the tween girls to you know g money who's like you know five was five years old at the time so i but i gotta ask you about the sequel coming out because you got to work with helen mirren yeah actors wait their entire lives to you know get to a chance to work with somebody like dame helen mirren yeah yeah, sort of blow your mind was it amazing she's she's working with the blue guy so she's also very excited (laughs) Um, she's like blue is my favorite color yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) no it was it was awesome in truth i worked pretty briefly with her but even more so almost because of that i was very impressed with how outgoing how warm she was how you know, she went out of her way to introduce herself when she was far down the makeup trailer and certainly didn't have to. And just has a joy de vivre that uh, is like, I get why she's doing it still. Yeah, I don't think she owes like a lot in taxes or whatever. And it's trying no, she's to, like a you know, real actor. But this is like the way the Brits are, right? I mean, the, the Brits are like, you know, they just keep they just keep working because they love the work. And this is why they do it. You know, Michael Caine isn't like. 10 movies a year up until he retired because like he's an actor. Yeah. So he, he does his act. I think he he's retired? basically retired. I think his scene in Tenet was his last, like was his farewell scene. I could uh, be wrong I about see. that. I don't want to start anything, any bad rumors, but yeah. I got to ask you, did you get cast in this? Were you, did you have like a leg up in the DC world? Cause you wrote a book for Wildstorm once upon yeah. a time, didn't you? So I assume yeah, you were a comic I did. book guy I, too. I co-wrote it. I co-wrote it with, um, my girlfriend's dad and his writing partner at the time, this is, you know, going on 20 years ago, but, um, no, that didn't, (laughs) (laughs) no, you didn't, you weren't, you Um, weren't like tied in with Jim Lee and no, no, um, not at all. Nor I was also cast briefly in a George Miller justice league from about 15 years ago. Or I remember that the thing that never made it. What were you cast as in that? Uh, the flash, the flash. But no kidding. That, Holy that crap. Was Warner Brothers too. And that didn't, I don't think, hold any sway either. It was just a case of, honestly, the thing I had going for me the most was Jack Dylan Grazer, who plays the young Freddy. I play the old Freddy. Um, I resemble. And I think that more than anything <laughs> <laughs> uh, was my leg up. That's fantastic, man. All right. Tim, I'm sorry. We'll let you yeah, back no, in. The okay. nerds will stop Boy, talking we talk, A lot of names were thrown out there I didn't know. But what, what I do uh, like to do is sad dramas about middle-aged people trying to recapture their youth. That's right in my wheelhouse. I don't, I don't know if you saw that Carrie Lake said that I dressed like a 13-year-old when I when I did an interview with her yesterday, which was kind of rude. No, I didn't. And I know you're doing the circus. I, I like that show a lot. I want to hop back in. I haven't seen. Has this, this season's been airing Yeah, it just started. Just, it just aired. And this airs a little bit in last week's app, but so yeah. uh, this past Sunday, that. That um, well, you can see me and Carrie and her outfit was, I think, not exactly age appropriate either, but that's sort of neither here nor there. I had to focus on the politics. <laughs> no, I, I could talk about that a lot. I didn't, I didn't know she said that to you, but she is um, fucking scary. Seb Gorka called well, him a dickhead. Seb Gorka did call me a dickhead. She was, she was scary. I think it would be actually more accurate. Now she's sad. She was really scary, and then she yeah. lost, and now she's like living this imaginary world. Now she's yeah, sad. Yeah, anyway, yeah. a character that I resonated with that you have, uh, you know, been portraying recently uh, was on Fleischman is in trouble. For people who haven't watched Fleischman, it's just that was that last year. It's just out recently. Do, do yeah, yeah. The came elevator out, came pitch. out this, this winter. Yeah, sure. It's a couple going through a divorce and a midlife crisis, and and a few of their friends as well, and kind of looking at it through a lot of different lenses or points of view. 
your character is the main character going through the divorce is like on Tinder and stuff, like his bro friend from college, basically. Yeah. Who's like yeah, still he gets, back, he gets back in touch with me and I've never uh settled down and I'm a finance guy and um, you know, living a more hedonistic lifestyle. Right. So the first three episodes, it's like Adam Brody is like taking him to the great sushi place. They're going to the underground to like mud wrestling, they're going to all the cool bars. Your character is also Seth, which is a little weird. Seth is funny. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, it's like, boy, a big change for Seth. Um, uh, <laughs> Seth is funny. And so through three episodes, I was like, oh, man, this is great. It's a cool character. And then as the show goes on, not to do spoilers, but like it kind of turns out, I think, that the writer of the show was trying to portray your character as as having a little sad, unfulfilled life as a 41-year-old hanging out with 20-year-olds, dressing like a 13-year-old, knowing all the cool clubs. And that made me feel bad because I was like, oh, man, I thought that this character was actually aspirational. <laughs> like right, the lesson right, seemed to be right, not right. really. Well, what was your, what was your read on that? All you have to do is get engaged, Tim, and then you can and then it I'm turns engaged. around. Yeah, I mean, but does that make it more sad if if I'm engaged trying to pretend to be the Seth character or married, actually, in this case? Yeah, if you do it, um, I guess, half-heartedly, it's still kind of sad. Yeah. Um, no, I'm sorry. To, I'm sorry to disappoint you in that regard. What was the writer? What was uh, Taffy is her name? What was she saying there? I don't know. I mean, I think everyone's just re-examining and looking at the other side or the other half of the glass or wh yeah. whatnot. And um, and I think it's, you know, almost used for irony, you know, uh, uh, or I, that's certainly one of the reasons. And, um, you know, while his friend is getting divorced and is newly discovering is like having his sexual reawakening. Here's somebody who's looking at the other side of it going, I think I wish I had a family. Um, yeah. I'm feeling, I'm feeling old. I'm feeling tired. I'm feeling like I want some security and some, you know, maybe I could go deeper with someone. So I'm just asking your permission then at, at hypothetically speaking at 41, is it like, okay to have a family and want to like go out until 3am and have your finance bro buddy take you to the secret clubs or, you know, should you really just be kind of picking a side? What, what do you think was the overarching I think you can. I think, you know, you wouldn't be human if you didn't have both those impulses right. to some degree. I ended up sad, I guess, at the end of Fleischman. Yeah. I, I don't know. Were you supposed Not, to end what, up sad what, at the end it, of the show? For me, I think I know yeah. a lot of people view it as a bummer. I find it bittersweet and hopeful. I think it speaks to a particular generation and uh, generational anxiety. But I also think, look, it's still aspirational. They're in New York. It's beautiful. They have each other. So you still kind of want to be there. And I think in the end, it's left in a hopeful place, I, I find. So I don't, while I find it sad, I find it like a good kind of sad that is, you know, hopeful and cathartic, not tragic or bleak. It was definitely cathartic. It was good for that for me. I guess I will just, my only complaint is that you kind of like spiraled me into like a 36 hour depression by the end of the episode. About like dealing with my own point. middle age and stuff, but that's good. That's art. That's what you're supposed to do, right? It's better than like, you know, having no impact, but I that was, that was a what lot happened of people to me. Out. In fact, I think I'm sort of hearing like more rumors than anything, but like, I think it, spawned a couple of divorces <laughs> that was not the case for me that was not the case for me but i did uh, but one think about how many marriages in a rocky saved. situation i was yeah, like don't yeah. watch right. fleischman i was like this is but, not but for by you the way, and by the way we have a stable marriage like, if there's truth to that any divorces it sort of kick-started like good for them too i mean i don't yeah, i don't I consider divorce necessarily being uh, a failure or you know i mean it can that can be a positive change for people
All right, JVL, do you have divorce takes as a avowed Catholic slash would you like I, I to get into Kid Detective? I'd time? rather do Kid Detective, which is one of my favorite movies of the last couple of years. It totally snuck up on oh, me. Thanks, thanks. And I love the crap out of it for a bunch of different reasons, one of which was because of, I mean, it is a movie about how adults fail the kids around them, right? I mean, you know, like his parents in the town by putting all this pressure on him when he's a young kid. But I felt like it was also weirdly in dialogue with one of my favorite TV shows of like forever, Veronica Mars. Were you a Veronica Mars guy? No. I mean, I haven't, in fairness, I haven't even given it a try. I probably would like it. It's not like I... Yeah, Rob Thomas. It's active, really good I don't stuff. actively not like it. I just don't know it. I'm sure that's plenty in common given that they're both, you know, start as teenage sleuths. But yeah, I don't think that was purposeful because I don't know that uh, Evan, uh, who wrote it, also is from that familiar with Veronica Mars. Very much trying to ape like Hardy Boys and and all uh, and uh, well, not like but Brown see, I don't mean aping. Stuff. I mean like sort of like it's in dialogue with these things, right? It's in it's in it's talking back to all of this this yes, teen detective yes, literature. Yes, aping is the wrong. Aping is the wrong yeah. word. I, I very much the wrong word. But yes, it's it's. It's that, and it's, you know, also, it's it's sort of superimposing Chinatown on top of it a little bit. Yeah. So a script like that comes your way. I imagine you don't see scripts like that all that often, right? I mean, the, the movie has such a, a very particular vibe to it, and you the realize real, it was um, something special when you when it landed yeah, in front of you? I, you know, I, I did, and it was a long journey, and it's very almost still surreal to talk about it now that it finally came to fruition. About a decade ago, Evan Morgan, who's a writer-director, he produced and kind of co-directed this other movie that was really good. He introduced himself to me at Toronto and then Sundance, and we exchanged numbers, and he's like, I'm here with my other movie, but I, I got, you know, we should talk about stuff. Met him. It's like, I have one idea. Sent it to me. Again, this is like 10 years ago now. Sent it to me, and it was the first 30 pages. He wasn't sure where else it was going to go. We talked about what could happen and, you know, some good areas and some potential pitfalls. And then I didn't hear from him for like another year and a half, two years. He came back. He was like, here's the script. He has such a, just a signature, sharp, funny, unique voice. So offbeat without trying too hard. It's so organic and so him. Um, and it, it almost always zigs when you think it's going to zag, but in a very like organic way like he'd always had to do that anyway that's his voice for anything he writes in my opinion and then it was a long journey of trying to get it made and i had the script in my back pocket and i'd hit up you know any producers on any film i was doing and seeing it and there's a lot of people that really responded to the script but it's hard to get a movie financed for anyone and i was no exception and it took a long time and then it finally did thanks in part large part to the canadian government who paid for like half of it because he's Canadian and we filmed it in Canada and really everyone. Tons of local Canadian. actors, right? I mean, I feel like yeah, almost yeah. all the supporting actors yeah, and they're great yeah. too. They're I mean, great, you must have done local casting and they're fabulous actors. That's, that's my favorite kind of thing too, is finding new, and not that I found them and not, I'm sure they're all known in their own way, but still to my eyes, a lot of them are fresh faces. I, I love that. I love that. I love not, you know, I, I get so sick of, Going back to having to finance things, you have to cast the trendiest person in the moment always. And then you work How many your way TikTok down followers the do they have? You know, yeah. we'll, we'll cast her as the love interest because she's got three million TikTok followers. It's just boring, you know. And anyway, so so it finally happened and it was very surreal. And then to just have it I, I thought it was never gonna happen. And in fact, towards the end, I was like, Hey, I'm gonna turn forty soon. And I'm not gonna make this if I'm forty. Should we try and make it a TV show? I tried to pitch him like, let's cut it up, let's sell it. At least we could like 
talk to people with money and they could do it or not, but we'd get some answers. And he was pretty resistant to that. And then it came through and we did it. And, you know, and, and, and you guys have seen it. Uh, or at least you have, and that's. Uh, I loved it. No, I, he made me watch oh, it last cool. week. I hadn't seen it. I oh, thought cool. it was. I thought it was fantastic. It was, oh, awesome. uh, I, I watched it with my father-in-law. It was a much better viewing experience with my father-in-law than White Lotus, which I had watched with him the <laughs> night before, which got a little yeah, uncomfortable. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Okay, really quick. I want to just I have one really quick question for you. And thank you for smoking. Uh, but it's maybe more about me than about you. But I'd like your take on it. Um, so when Thank You for Smoking first came out. I saw the main character in like the spirit of Tony Soprano and kind of in the spirit of our gun conversation as yeah, like yeah, kind yeah. of like a hero, right? Yeah. I, I thought he was cool. And um and I like modeled my early career a little bit after him, yeah. which like says really <laughs> bad things about me. I understand. And yeah, so yeah. what I my question for you about thank you for smoking is does that just show something about like my was that my warped understanding of the world as a young man? Or do you look back on that and think, man, we kind of valorize this main dude a little too much i'm sure that's true what you just said i haven't seen it since it came out in 2005 i was thinking i'm really due for a rewatch because i really liked it and yes he was an anti-hero at the time of course he was you know an amoral but that was part of his charm because he was also charming i forget in the end I thought what Jason Reitman did uh, that was an interesting um, and worked really well at the time that his son is sort of the moral compass in the movie or that's who he's talking to and teaching. Son is not in the book really at all. A couple scenes. And so he had the son tag along so he could. I don't know if it was just to make exposition easier or to have like a, a sort of heart to the entire thing. And I don't recall if Nick Naylor, the main character, grew sort of any conscience or he just won you know in the end my guess is he probably just won i didn't grow much of a conscience but he probably just won the day i can only imagine that going on 20 years later i would view it differently and uh, even though the whole point is he's an anti-hero and you know his amorality is his charm you know in the same fucking way like tony stark you know is like right. might think a little differently about the tapis bomb now guy we have now. a real tony stark uh, yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I want to get to the rapid fire questions, but I have to. I was going to start with this, but you know, I felt like starting with the most awkward question probably isn't the best way to kind of build a rapport in a podcast. I, I don't know. I'm, we're or, still or, learning, or we, or we could. Or I'm we still could. learning the ropes, right? We'll we'll test it out. Okay. So, but I, I'm wondering. My my main question for you is: Are you aware of the status of Seth Cohen as kind of like a? A gay icon among millennial gays. Do you know in West no, Hollywood? No. Do you notice like leering eye contact among thirty somethings or anything I have, of that nature? A hundred percent oblivious to this. Oblivious to this. this. Okay. Well, I'm happy to bring that to you now because Thank for you. a certain type of alternative gay, we are not, you know, seen on TV. Uh-huh. You know, nobody right. Like if you go back to 2003. Well, basically, yeah. there are no gay teens on TV at all. Yeah, right? yeah, the Dawson's yeah. Creek guy is like 38 playing a teenager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you have a couple really gay people, which is great. Love, yeah. love queens. But, you know, Seth yeah, Cohen, yeah. right? If this was made in 2023, Seth Cohen would be gay, right? Like he can't, he, he's into indie rock. He can't play sports. He's a little neurotic. I suppose like, I feel like this is a gay character in 2023. I, I, if it was made in 2003, would Seth Cohen be gay is a great question. And, um, I don't know. I could certainly conceive of it. Yeah. I can't come down definitively on it, but I would say that it's more than plausible. It might even be probable. 
We'll take more than plausible. Okay, okay. So I'll just, we'll, just, we'll, just, we'll put that on the query. We'll leave that as more than plausible. And we're going to quick rapid fire. We're going to do one, two, three, one, two, one, two. We got five. I got one. JVL got one. I got one. JVL got one. And then we'll leave. They're going to be easy and fast. Are you ready? Go. No. Let's do it. Okay. The OC, among all the great things about the OC, the soundtrack was influential on my music taste exposed me to so much in the pre-spotify days we're in the napster days then do you have a favorite track or even of the compilations do you have a favorite from the oc soundtrack probably and it's evolved over the years and i would say very recently as recently as like three weeks ago just kind of going down memory lane with my wife i played not a surf who is I liked a lot, but wasn't my top, wasn't even in my top five at the time. And I was like, this probably holds up like as good as anything from like, this is in a way like under celebrated, I think, um, for how kind of good. Anyways, I just thought it was great. Always loved great song. And I played a few more and I was like, just these guys. And they also, they were a little older. I think, you know, they had some albums in the nineties and you could kind of hear that, um, in sort of a little, their stuff's a little more anthemic. And uh, yeah, I thought it just held up really well. Good choice. JBL? Favorite episode of Gossip Girl? Go. I don't know. I haven't really uh, seen it. But in fairness, my wife hasn't really seen the OC either. For people who don't know, uh, (laughs) Adam is married to Leighton Meester as the main main character, basically, of Gossip Girl. You've never seen it? You never saw a single episode? I think we watched, when we first got together, we did like a swap. And I think we watched like each other's, like the pilots. With you shit a friend over and we kind of, <laughs> so I've seen the pilot and so that you know and I, I will I want to she's like don't but I want to yeah once um, the kids are I, you know out of the young young phase then you'll get to like watch things together yeah again. totally <laughs> I recently for because I hadn't seen the OC since it aired and obviously I get asked about it a lot but the truth is I'm um I'm far from an authority on it because most people that are talking to me about it have seen it more recently than I have and I watched a handful of episodes and enjoyed it and also you know it's 20 years old it was really neat that so much time had passed and i'm viewing it in a much different lens than i was even five or ten years ago and it was nice to go through the yearbook and i found myself appreciating it more than i have in the previous 20 years you do have a least favorite gossip girl whether or not you know it uh and that is that javanka did make a cameo on gossip yeah yeah Um, so so you have a least favorite episode we don't we don't we don't have a favorite um okay do you have a favorite uh movie something you've worked on you've not worked on book anything just give us a couple wrecks something you don't think gets the um, love it deserves um, sure let me give you two one i think avatar is um no have you heard of that have you heard of that the new one have you seen it no, yeah, no. You, think, you think Avatar is underrated? Hold, hold yes. on a second. Adam, will you please say for the camera, Sarah, go see Avatar? Yeah, please. Our co-host sure. is Sarah, go see Avatar. In do it. In, do it with do it with the 3D glasses. Don't wait till <laughs> later. See it in the theaters. I've seen it twice. I saw it in IMAX in a regular theater, but both 3D. I didn't feel the IMAX was cool, but I wasn't it wasn't that different to me as long as you have the glasses. I expected, I took my daughter, I was like, we can leave after an hour. I've heard mixed things. Reviews seem to be kind of mixed, so I'm sure it's okay. But it's 3D, that could be interesting, and we can leave after an hour for board. And I loved it. And I could go on, but it's rapid fire. For a blockbuster movie, a popcorn movie, I thought it did so many things well. 
That's and, a great uh, wreck. Like, Do you have a wreck that made less than one billion dollars in in gross? again? Nobody's <laughs> talking about this. People talk about Top Gun. They don't talk true. about this. To me, there's kind of no comparison. I enjoy Top That's Gun, true. but this is this is another level to me, and it has not gotten the love that uh, other blockbusters have, Believe even it. though it's making money. And I don't know, is it if it's making the money that the first one did? I got a book. Wait, one sec. Okay. I'm reading this book, you guys this will like this. He's gonna I'm he's really gonna break gonna... out why we did it, isn't he? <laughs> why he's we did it? Why travel we did it? From the on... Republican no, to but it's close. Are you okay. familiar with this? You might be as conservatives as squishes. Diary of a Man in Despair <laughs> by uh, Fred. That's actually Rapp. what why we did it was based on. Yeah, yeah, no, and I've it's read that. um, it's this conservative. You know, he's really into. It's interesting. I mean, he's you know bemoaning the the fall of. Um, anyways, it's conservative in Germany during the rise of hitler and the war and it's a secret diary because he can't say this in public he buries it in the yard every night as he writes about how much he hates this guy and how everyone's lost their minds it's mm. very interesting and as you see the war progress through the background and the lens of inside germany and from someone who's not persecuted just is going you know can't believe it i mean and, and it's definitely through a conservative lens in the sense of you know he's bemoaning the death of religion he hates the bourgeoisie and is bemoaning like the old royalty and monarchy or whatever, but um, I'm finding it very interesting. So I like it. All right, JVL. Favorite politician or political writer? Somebody you you go to, to that mm. you love? I, I like this question. You know, uh, uh, well, I don't know. I'll pause on that. I don't want to take up too much time, but like I, I do a lot. all the time in the great. world. Okay, great. I like Bernie. I like AOC. I think she's like, as a personable, puts it in plain English. And like I said, she's a great communicator. Writers, you know, I used to like, they're not writers, they're more entertainers. But like, I used to like Bill Maher until I don't now, as a lot of people don't. And and I, I didn't like starting in a way in the like, even in the Trump really era in the beginning, I just found I'm like, oh, you're not as informed now that everyone's taken their information up and now that everyone's like really hunkering down and learning about the process i was like oh you're not actually that informed but regardless i just feel like we've gone through this total consciousness raising you know uh, we've totally uh, uh, evolved in the last five years and he hasn't you know and i don't feel like he can i feel like he can only see the bad in it and can't see the good you can flip um, it over to showtime's the circus we can flip off hbo i love the circus you know boom love Love easy trick. E- easy well, trade. another th- another thing uh, that you you guest on occasionally that I uh, enjoy. I still enjoy Pods uh, Save America. Um, I like those guys, and I like it sort of. Okay, but they don't need any more compliments. They're they are good. Yeah, we might have to cut this out of the episode. <laughs> I don't want the Pod Bros. I don't want Tommy texting me and being I'm, all like all excited that he got the shout out. You know, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think writers that like who do I read sort of in the old op eds. That I like. I like the lefties, you know. I like Michelle Goldberg. Michelle's great. I, uh, we'll, we'll send you. We'll send you some Rex to broaden your horizons a little bit. Michelle's great though. She's she's awesome. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and we will keep this in because she deserves to get shouted out. Not okay. not Tommy and not the bros. Okay. Right. Finally, most important final question: Your favorite LGBTQ American? My favorite LGBTQ. Name a gay person. This is a Billy Eichner yeah. question. Name a gay person. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> just to make, RuPaul, I mean, this is great. There's an attack on transgender Americans happening. And in now, RuPaul. I love it. I love RuPaul it. is your favorite, um, though. You, we could get you a little deeper on into the drag world. Bob, no, the drag I, queen, I, I'm, I'm a novice. I don't, you know, I've never seen Drag Race, although I did just okay. watch all of Trixie Motel. 
So Trixie Mattel. Trixie's amazing. I know. She's cool. Um, um, if we want to go drag, but otherwise, uh, you know, to make you happy, John Lovett. <laughs> that makes me more happy. We are definitely cutting that from the fucking show. Adam I'm Brody, kidding. my longtime friend of me, John Lovett, is not the best LGBTQ plus American. Adam, dude, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, Shazam is in theaters. JVL is going to see it twice on, on our behalf. You have a very inspiring Twitter bio, vote or die. We do totally agree with that. Like, let's stay in touch. We'll do this again sometime. We're so grateful for all your time. Uh, we'll catch y'all on the Next Level Podcast on Wednesday with Sarah and on the Board Podcast with Charlie Sykes every day. Peace out. All right. Appreciate it.